The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks your climate-focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, and I'm still incredibly sore from Sunday's training run. I'm running a 10-mile road race on April 23rd, and let's just say that's the longest race I've signed up for since the Las Vegas Marathon in 2019. While Sunday was tapering and seven miles should have been easy-peasy, it was a lot hotter here than the spring has been so far. The Unexpected heat and humidity, plus the relentless pollen led to a very sluggish run. And basically, I could take a nap right now. There is nothing low energy about today's quartet of guests. Carly Matthews and Haiti Hobart from the American Conservation Coalition, Alex Amonette from CCL, and our own EcoRight Leadership Council member, Kyle McIntyre, came on to talk about a collaboration in Montana they have been working on. Together, they have been writing a series of LTEs and op-eds and submitting them to small local papers, the kind that small towns rely on for super hyper local news. And they're going to talk about their process in writing these letters and also their successes. So stay tuned, listeners. Kyle, Hattie, Carly, and Alex are coming right up. Welcome back, listeners. I'm so excited. This is a first in EcoRight Speaks history. We have three participants in this interview, all hailing from Montana. And these folks, Kyle and Haiti and Alex, all come from slightly different political ideologies. But here you are coordinating to write op-eds, letters to the editor, to your local papers. And first, I just want to congratulate all of you on this effort. I think this is collaboration is my fave. So congrats on on your success. Um, Alex, you were kind of the ringleader in putting this together. What inspired you to reach out? You, you know, coming from CCL, um, definitely have told me you, you lean more to the left, but you knew that you needed to have some friends that lean to the right to um, collaborate with you on this effort. Yeah, well, personally, I don't lean more t- towards the left. I'm kind of a moderate. Um, gotcha, okay. Because my background, my for example, my dad was a Protestant. My mother was a Catholic. My dad was a Republican. My mother was a Democrat. So I'm sort of this mongrel. <laughs> <laughs> but um Stephen Perkins gave a really great talk to Citizens Climate Lobby in October. It was really inspirational. And I wanted to reach out to Stephen and see if, you know, I'm in Montana. I'm really thinking of the folks in the small towns in Montana who, you know, go to the local Frosty Freeze and they're reading the local newspaper because everybody reads the local newspapers in rural Montana because it's the basketball games that their granddaughters are in. So um, there's... There was a place, I thought, for the printed word to have a big impact. And I care very much about climate change. And I know Stephen did too. So Stephen got me in touch with Carly and Hattie. And then I've been a big fan of Bob Inglis's for a long, long time. And Bob has actually spoken in Montana. Um, And uh, Kyle has participated in in Citizens Climate Lobby meetings. And I also knew Kyle was in the Republican. So, And Kyle and Hattie and Carly are really great writers it turns out so 
I thought, oh, this is a wonderful collaboration. So we met and the rest is history. Well, I just really applaud this effort. And I, I want to also point out that um, Carly and Hattie both come from ACC American Conservation Coalition. And um, we I think this is really interesting, too, because it just shows, you know, you're on the right of center along with us at Republic EN. We advocate for a price on carbon, but you all don't. But that doesn't prevent us from coming together to support the greater message, which is that we need climate action. So um, when you're right, like who is the the person that kind of takes the lead in that, putting that first draft together? Yeah, I can take this one. So I think it kind of depends on what the topic is. So we've had a couple of different ideas. And I know for our very first one, I had a super busy month recruiting with ACC since I'm on our field team. Um, so Kyle and Alex really took the lead on that one. And then this last one was really more me and Alex kind of taking the lead on this. And Kyle did a really good job coming in kind of at the the finish line and doing a really good job editing. So I think it's a it's a good mix of who has the time and who has kind of the vision to pull it all together as well. So we each do a little bit of writing and a little bit of editing, depending on where we're at. So, Kyle, have you had any or have any of you had any friends read these pieces in the local paper? As um, Alex noted, um, small towns, I'm from a small town in Maine, and I know exactly what you mean. The small town paper that people read because that's where all the local high school sports um, are reported and, um, you know, the little funny tidbits. Or I mean, I think they're funny because they're kind of quaint. But have you had anyone come up to you and say, hey, I saw your piece? I have not had that happen yet. I think it would have happened if I lived in eastern Montana, which mm-hmm. is where our um, our letters are currently getting published and read the most. And I live in western Montana, and it's a big state, um, so I don't, I don't have a lot of acquaintances over there. Um, I've, of course, shopped our, our content around directly to some of my friends to see what they thought of it, but I haven't had one out of the blue yet because I'm not deeply plugged into those smaller communities over there. But I bet... Alex might have more to say on that. Well, for our last piece, uh, um, uh, Hattie wrote about uh, hunters and anglers. And um, I interviewed a guy in Big Timber, Montana, where there's the Big Timber Pioneer. And he, he owns an angler shop. And I asked him a bunch of questions. And then we put some of that in the, the last letter that we wrote. And the Big Timber Pioneer published it. And then that guy called me up and said, nice job. So that (laughs) that felt really great. (laughs) Well, and you brought up the hunter angler thing. And I just want to credit you guys for inspiring me to reach out to Connor Parrish, who is also in Montana and uh, angler with um, Trots Unlimited. And he was a podcast um, guest a few weeks ago. And then that sort of spiraled. And last last week, last week, our guest was... um, She's from New Jersey, but she's, a um, I can't say a lifelong hunter because she picked it up as an adult, which she said is rare that most hunters um, actually start as kids with, um, you know, older relatives. And she got into it as an adult, but um, your piece has actually inspired me to then go forth because I really think that that hunter angler voice is important in the effort to raise awareness on climate change. They tend to be, to come from a little bit more of a conservative background, but they're also folks who spend time in nature and literally see the changes that are happening with their very eyes. Hattie, was that something that um, 
you worked a little bit more on that piece. Was that kind of what you were going for is like reaching that audience because of how I just described it? Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot to be said for kind of that generational land knowledge, um, which is something that I really wanted to touch on and bring some some attention to, because I feel like a lot of hunters and a lot of anglers, like they're out there every day and they know these rivers like the back of their hand. So being able to talk about that in a way that's more contextualized to their kind of environment was really important to me. Plus, I grew up with my dad hunting and doing a lot of conservation work. And a lot of people don't necessarily see that conservation work, which was another thing that I really wanted to touch on. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's sort of like um, there's that bumper sticker that says, was it think local think globally act locally and and I think that when we focus on the act locally part that many more of us are conservationists than we might even give ourselves credit for for sure yeah so what do you think is next like do you have a list of topics I know that that when we conclude this interview you guys are going to plan the next one who has some ideas in mind uh Carly made us a great list we had a first meeting and we had a kind of discussion about topics that we had. And our current one is about HR1, which Carly drafted the initial draft and it was really beautiful. But we've since been doing some editing. I've been mucking around in there, Hattie, heads up. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to figure that one out today. But, you know, Citizens Climate Lobby just had a conference and um, uh, the guy from ACC who spoke was Chris Bernard, correct, Carly? Um, or Hattie, um, and I'm really hoping that we could do a piece on um, what Chris had to say, plus there were members of Congress there, and highlight, you know, that conservatives really care about climate change and and discuss that. We're definitely going to have them on the show, too. So I feel like our your topics and my topics are super aligned, and that's great because we all, um, you know, are playing for the same team. And for those listeners who don't know what HR1 is, that is the... Um, uh, lower energy costs act. It was, um, it passed the house a couple of weeks ago, I guess I, my time is all discombobulated because I turned my manuscript in like a week and a half ago. And in the lead up to that, I was an executive function disaster. And in the time since I turned it in, I've been an executive function disaster, but the date that we're recording, um, today's episode or this week's most recent episode, we had, um, journalist Emma Dumaine on, and she talked about, um, she covers Congress for energy and um, the E&E news. And so she uh, gave us a little download on HR1. So listeners that want to go back and listen to that episode to hear about what's in that bill. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot happening right now and there's a lot to be excited for. So uh, maybe each we could sort of leave with each of you touching on kind of one thing that you are really looking forward to seeing happen um, in the rest of this year, 2023, to advance the message on climate change. And we can start with Alex. Oh, well, you know, uh, Citizens Climate Lobby has a carbon pricing bill. And a couple years ago, it was called the Energy and Innovation Act. And I really hope that that gets um, resurrected in Congress. It's a carbon pricing bill that um, I think uh, Republican would go along with. Um, we don't it, endorse it, legislation, but we like we support the general spirit of carbon yeah, pricing. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, if they if they put that bill forward, I I would be asking our senators and congressmen to support it, um, just because I think that if you have a fair carbon pricing policy in the United States, it it could be global, and it could be a really powerful tool to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah 
along with, you know, it's one tool in the toolbox. It's not the one, you know, it's not the, the sole answer, of course, but it's a powerful tool. And, and I've invested a lot of my time investigating it and supporting it. Hattie, what about you? Yeah, so I'm really excited about, I'm brand new to Montana, so I'm excited to get a little bit more in tune with kind of the local conservation here and really working to promote that kind of angle, especially in our upcoming LTs. Awesome. And if you meet somebody that you think I should have on the show, let me know. (laughs) Kyle. Well, this might be a little too fuzzy, but I guess I really hope that in the coming year, we just continue to see more traction where conservatives start to kind of own conservationism again, conservation again, Um, somewhat taking back the current definition of environmentalism and, and making it ours again. And I think Montana is a particularly particularly ripe state for that because we do have generally a conservative populace and I'm very much one of them, but we also have such a strong outdoors identity and so many people's livelihoods, especially ranchers, are tied to the land. I think it makes our state sort of a, a prime location to hopefully make big strides in sort of helping conservatives find their voice on this issue. So even more than like specific pieces of legislation, that's what I most hope to see in the next year is that we figure out how to how to talk to this issue and make it ours in our own way and, and make a difference. And I feel like um, the people in this group we're blessed to be planted in an environment where I can see that happening and uh, want to facilitate it to happen. Well, I definitely, um, that's something that we work to do at Republic Ian every day. So happy to have you um, on that and to have all of you working together, collaborating to just keep pushing the message out there. And I think the work you do is so important. And I thank you so much for spending some time with me this afternoon and I wish you luck. I want to keep seeing those LTEs and listeners. Every time they publish one, I'm just going to um, highlight it on on whatever episode is next so that even if you're not in Montana, you can see it and you can see the effectiveness. And hey, you know some friends in another state and you guys want to get together and and model um, the efforts of these folks. I'm sure I could put you in touch and uh, we can try to spread this effort to other other regions. But thank you so much for your time. Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Um, A couple years ago, I interviewed a young rancher whose, you know, his ranch was undergoing uh, the drought and they were really Mm -hmm. worried about producing enough hay for their cattle. And I asked him, do you think climate change has anything to do with this? And he said, I do, but I'm really afraid to talk about it in my community because my parents don't think it's happening. And I think, you know, lots of people think it's hoax. I really hope that with our letters that we can reach guys like that to make him feel like he has a safe place to talk about it with people. I really want him to reach out to ACC and to Republic EM and yeah. you know, CCL. But, you know, most importantly, I want people to normalize this conversation. It's okay to talk about climate change. Yes. You know? Hallelujah. I think that is so important. And um, that's something that that we definitely try to do and that Bob does in the meetings he goes through is he wants to create a safe space and and he can come at it from the position of somebody who once um, was a denier, right? And has changed his tune. And so he tries to take that approach when talking to people that it's okay, it's okay to change your mind. And I think that's a nuance that we forget a lot, especially in today's like super partisan kind of gotcha politics is that if we all believed exactly what we believed when we were five or 10 or 20, then we're not evolving as people, right? And so you want to be able to learn new things and change perspectives. And so 
best of luck to you as you create those safe spaces and continue having these uh, conversations. Thanks so much, friends. Thank you. Thanks, Chelsea. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. Bryce, welcome back from vacation, dude. Thank you, ma'am. Good to be back with you. I'm glad you were not caught in an avalanche. Me too. It was quite warm. I didn't even think about the fact that warm weather would trigger an avalanche. It makes sense. You have a lot of heavy snow and then the temperatures warm up and like it's gravity, right? Like that snow's got to go somewhere. But yep. Yeah. It came down on the roads and God bless the Colorado or what they call CDOT, the Colorado Department of Transportation for working tirelessly to get some roads back open. But it was a great week in Colorado and it's great to be back with you, Chelsea. I have to say, I thought I saw some uh, video footage. I know I saw some video footage of your kids on skis. I did not see any of you, Mr. I did not. I ended up (laughs) going into work while they did ski school. And I worked in the lodge while they did some tubing and hit the slopes. So So you did like après ski, but during the skiing. That's right. That's right. I did a little snow tubing with them on the last day, but that was the only time that I got out on the icy slopes uh, during the trip. But it was a great trip. I'm glad to be back and uh, glad to have had that time out in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Well, speaking of out west, that's a nice segue into today's guests. I love those Montanans and the the energy and passion with which they have decided they want to take on all the small town papers and um, you know, use their voice to, um, you know, to talk to through their letter, through their letter writing campaign, their LTEs. And also, I, you know, I'm going to just say they call them LTEs price, but you and I have been doing this job for a long time. They're longer than an LTE. They're more like op-eds and they're not yeah. really giving themselves credit for it, for what they're writing being op-eds. But um, I just think it's so great that they have able been able to make this collaboration happen. They all have day jobs, plus their affiliations and uh, you know, we all have busy lives. And so anytime that you can come together with some other people to amplify your shared message, I think um, that's great. So hats off to them and a special shout out to Alex, who was the one who organized um, that campaign. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think is the, uh, well, she and Carly kind of keep the trains running. Carly was not, uh, didn't participate in the interview, but she is an ACC member who has really helped keep the the schedule's going and keep them on target and stuff. So yep. hats off to all of them. Yeah, regardless of whether you call it an LTE, an op-ed, uh, the, the bottom line is placing those in smaller community newspapers because there's a lot of – I mean, you can ask journalists, but I think when it comes to communities, the weeklies and small, you know, weekly-type papers are hyper-local, and that's where people – regardless is usually political affiliation want to find out and get the pulse of the community versus say the big massive metro dailies and so when you have especially those smaller newspapers especially like the weeklies or maybe bi-weekly and you know a place like montana uh, i was just learning about one of those that when i was out in colorado but similar you know to this those are very highly read and some people think those are going to be 
the newspapers that ultimately are the kind of the only ones that survive. I mean, we'll always have the big dailies, but yeah. that is where you get the local reporting, whether it be about a high school football game, new restaurant that's popping up in mm-hmm. you know downtown, wherever. Uh, that just gives you the pulse of the community. And so those are really perfectly placed pieces by that outstanding group. I remember when I first left Maine, um, my mom would sometimes send me ours, which was called the Penobscot Times. And I think it has since gone out of business. But if a friend was like, you know, so-and-so got married, you had like the marriage announcements, but not like, you know, the big paper that has like a whole paragraph and a photo, it would just be like Price Atkinson and, mm-hmm. Rebecca, you know, it would be just have like your, the names and the date or like the births. So you could see like that your high school friend had had a baby or whatever. And, you know, this was before Facebook when we shared all that mm-hmm. information that way, but I always loved going through that paper. So yeah, awesome job. And like any listeners out there that um, want to come together and, and do something similar, especially, um you know, targeting, smaller, more conservative communities, like hit us up. We're happy to try to brainstorm with you and uh, maybe even help you meet other people you could collaborate with. So um, the more that voices that are talking, the better, as we say. That's right. That's right. Speaking of voices, we've got some voices standing with us this week. Duncan H. in Oklahoma, Alex A. in Indiana, Jordan L. in Indiana, Brenda V. in Tennessee, and Emily A. in California, new members who are standing with us at Republican.org, which you can sign up and do, Republican.org forward slash join. It takes mere seconds. You get weekend review that Chelsea puts out every single Friday and a few other corresponding items that we will email and send out to you. But we appreciate everybody who has decided to stand with us. There's a power in numbers, and if you have not done so, we encourage you to do that again, republican.org forward slash join. That's right. And you know, you don't want to miss my weekly newsletter. It's so good. Everyone tells me that all the time. I'm not just patting myself on the back. Um, and so, yeah, it's a great way to meet another, <clears throat> um, to, to be a part of another community. And you don't want to miss next week's episode because yeah. what do we have on tap, Chelsea? So next week, Price, um, we are going to talk to Drew Eyerly and Jen Tyler, Jennifer Tyler. They are with CCL's Conservative Caucus, and the caucus just had their first in-person lobby days since before the pandemic, Um, little conference back in March, and little. I'm only saying little because it wasn't the full CCL shebang. It was just the Conservative Caucus came in. And they had, I think they said between 20 and 25 meetings on the Hill, talking to their conservative lawmakers about um, why they support a price on carbon. And so we'll hear about the uh, what they were hearing on the Hill um, from those lawmakers and uh, what's coming up next for CCL the rest of the year. Certainly excited for that. Can't wait to have that episode to you all next week that you can listen to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Just hit that subscribe button and it will be delivered to you every single Tuesday. New episodes, unless we tell you in advance, we'll be taking a Tuesday off, which I assume we will have a few of those coming up a little bit later in the spring or summer. But until then, Chelsea, we will talk to you next week.
Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco right leader.